my name is Ricky, one of the pastors here, and hey, I know that, you know, whether you're here or joining us online, I know that sometimes, like, that corporate prayer, that can feel a little awkward, um, but uh, you know what? We believe in a big God who does big things, so we're going to ask him to do big things. Um, but yeah, if you got a Bible, open up to Acts 2, and while you're turning there, yeah, just kind of imagine something with me here. Um, it, it had been months. Months of searching, m- months of watching, months of seeing who these people really are. See what their lives really look like. How, how, do they, how do they treat each other? How do they treat the people around them? Months of, of interviews, of asking people, having conversations with people. Hey, what do you see? What do you think? What do you find? Do you find anything odd about or unique about these these people. Now, after months of investigating, he had a clear picture. He had a good grasp of who these people really were. And now he's going to share this report with the person who told him to go investigate. The person who's probably the most important person in the land, probably the most important person in the world, he's going to go before and tell him about this group of people they called Christians. And this is what he said. He says, O King, Caesar, these Christians, this is what I found out about them. They, they love one another. They walk in humility and kindness, and falsehood is not found among them. And, and they do not look, or, or they do look out for over the widow and the orphan. He who has gives to him who does not have, and they give without boasting. If someone dies and they don't have the means to, to, uh, to have a funeral, they provide for that to, so that they can have a funeral and have a burial. If they hear about one of them that is in prison or oppressed because of the name of Jesus, all of them provide for their needs, and if it's possible uh, to be delivered and released, they pray for them. Further, they share with the jailers that are overseeing them in prison, and through loving them, they hope to persuade them to become Christians. And, and if the jailers do, uh, they call them brethren, brethren without distinction. For they do not call uh, each other brothers or sisters according to flesh, but, but according to the soul. Every morning, and at all hours, on the count of the goodness of God toward them, they praise God. They do good to those who are their neighbors. They, those who grieve, they, they give them comfort. And they make them their friends, and they do good to them, and they do good to their enemies. It is enough for us to have shortly informed your majesty concerning the conduct and truth of the Christians, for indeed, for great indeed and wonderful is their doctrine to him who will search into it and reflect upon it. Behold, this is a people, this is a new people, and there is something divine amongst them. Uh, this is part of the account that a man named Aristides gave to Hadrian, King Hadrian. He was a, a Caesar, he was a, a Roman emperor, and this is, he, he was commissioned by Hadrian to go find out about these, these Christians, about these people that were following Jesus, and this is in the second century, and so he goes and investigates, and this is part of this report that he gives to Caesar about these people called Christians, followers of Christ. How do you think people would describe the church today? 
If somebody was, was given a commission to go out and investigate Christians and tell, tell them who they are, what would we see in the world or in America today? How do you think somebody would describe them? How would, how would you describe typical church today? How, how would you describe us? How would you describe City Light South? If someone just came up to you and said, hey, what is your church like? What would you say? What would you want to say? You know, if, um, if, if, if we are to, to, to be or to grow into being a healthy, dynamic, alive church, how do we do that? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So again, open up your Bibles to Acts 2. Um, and you know, as we go through Acts, just something I want to clarify is that, that Acts is, is primarily a book that is describing what is happening describing what is happening in the life of church, it doesn't actually prescribe a lot of things. Prescribe would be like, hey, this is what you need to do, and it's not like a lot of commands directly. It's describing these stories. And a lot of people, they'll, they'll take these descriptions of stories and acts, and then they'll, they'll say like, oh, okay, that's how it has to be. And you get kind of a lot of improper teaching and improper theology because they take what is descriptive, just telling about a story, and then they'll make it prescriptive and think, okay, this is how we, it has to be all the same for us. Um, and that, that leads to, you know, just kind of a lot of weird things. But, um, and even today, the, the story that we're reading today, it is describing the life of the early church. It doesn't say, it doesn't command us to, to do the exact same thing or anything like that. Uh, I mean, one of the things that they do is they meet every day. You know, is everybody like, yeah, let's meet every day. You know, some of you, you're probably like, yeah, that would be awesome. Some of you would be like, no, I don't, I don't like everybody every day or even every other week maybe, you know. But so, <clears throat> so it is descriptive, but, you know, during this time, we're going to be looking at a lot of other places in Scripture to be like, okay, hey, not just what does this story show and maybe model to us, <clears throat> what does the rest of Scripture actually command us to do and encourage us to do? And we could just come away with like, hey, this is... Um, we don't have to maybe look exactly like this that it says in Acts, but if we really look at Scripture, it's like, hey, we should probably look somewhat similar at least. So um, look at verse, uh, actually we're going to start in verse 41. Verse 41, because this is who these people are. So, so those, this is this crowd that Peter preached to, so those who received his word were baptized, and, they were, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Now, I want you to underline, circle, highlight that word devoted. They devoted themselves. So this group of people that were like, hey, we've trusted in Christ. We, we, we now have been filled with the Spirit because Peter says, hey, if you believe, you will be filled with the Spirit, all of you. You know, it's not just this, you know, it's a gift to all who believe. It's not a reward to some that are like hyper-Christians or anything like that. You will receive the Spirit, and then this is what's happening. They devoted themselves. And, and, and before we just kind of jump into like, hey, what did they devote themselves to? Just think, they devoted themselves. For, for them, Christianity was not this hobby. This is not something that they're half-hearted doing. This is not something that they're, well, let's give it a shot. Let's see if this works for me. Let, you know, hey, my life hasn't been going very good right now. Um, I, I haven't made a lot of good decisions. Let's try this Jesus thing and see if that leads to better outcomes. That's not what they're doing at all. 
You know, I think a lot of times in, in, in churches, it typically, you know, especially in America, that we kind, of, we kind of are okay with, like, hey, just give it a shot. Hey, see if this works for you. Or, hey, you know what? You could keep coming to church year after year, decade after decade, and nothing needs to change in your life. You don't need to dedicate yourself to actually getting in the Word of God. You could just continue to not let that like, be a part of your life and just leave it up to the professionals. Or, or, hey, you know what? You could continue to come to a church year after year after year and not be in community. That's okay, just as long as you're here on Sunday. Right? We, we kind of put up with that kind of thing. But here, in the early church, there, there's not that kind of mentality. Hey, we trusted in Jesus. We received the Holy Spirit. We're devoting ourselves to this. Why? Because God has given us new life. New life in Christ. New life through the Spirit. And so... That means not just a new life with God, but a new life with God's people. Hey, we didn't just hear the gospel and respond. We're in a gospel community. Our whole life is different. And so, because God has so given himself to us, our lives are changed. We're going to devote ourselves to these things. And it goes on to say, hey, so they devoted themselves. And, and then, that, again, that word devoted just means the single-minded loyalty, the steadfastness. And so it says that they devoted themselves. And just through this passage, we're going to look at, at kind of four things that they devoted themselves to. So first, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this is, this is the word of God. Peter just got through preaching a sermon. He quotes the Old Testament. He's pointing them to Jesus, pointing them to the gospel. And so for us today, we're, we're devoting ourselves to the word of God and to the teaching and preaching of the gospel. That's what we're devoting ourselves to. You know, we, um, this is what 1 Timothy 4.13, again, we're looking at, hey, what does Scripture say? Not just what it des describes here, but what does it command us in other places? 1 Timothy 4.13, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing to soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Notice it doesn't say, hey, the media is sharper than any two-edged sword. Hey, those Facebook posts with those articles and blogs, that, you know, separates joint and marrow. You know, hey, that, that political party and what they say, that that's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It doesn't, it doesn't point to any of that. It says the Word of God is alive and active. Anything else out there has to submit to this because God said it, and anybody else is just some dude saying it, right? 2 Timothy 4 says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of, that's actually 2 Timothy 3, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It doesn't say, hey, you know what? Just follow your heart. You know what? Just what do you think? That'll help equip you for every good work. It says, no, all scripture is God breathed. The Bible is living and active and transforming. And, and for a church, you know, we want, we want to honor the truth of God. We want, you know, to, to be 
hearing the gospel, speaking the gospel, focusing on Jesus, you know, with each other. That doesn't mean just like, hey, kind of, let's flock to hear somebody speak. You know, that, that, that's part of it. There is that, the, the public reading, there is the preaching and teaching. But for us today, we're not merely meant to just listen to preachers, but to dig into the Word of God ourselves. You know, we've, we've been putting on Facebook this, um, you know, Bible study. Why? Because we want you to get into the Word of God. We have Bibles in the back so that you could get into the Word of God. So that when you show up on a Sunday, you're not just listening to us speak. You're looking. When I say circle, underline, highlight, why? I'm wanting to direct you to the Word of God, not my sermon. Right? It is, it's Him speaking. We need to be devoted to the Word. We dig in it. We spend time in it. We meditate. We ask questions about it. We talk with other people about it. We reflect on it. It's Word of God. The Word is pointing us to Jesus. And I, and I, and I know many, many of us, and, and this happens to me sometimes too, you know, like, well, man, I just don't have time. Hey, you know, are you able to, like, not that it's just about, like, hey, make sure you get in the Word and, you know, behave all better, but it's just like, hey, are you seeking Jesus? Are you listening to him in his word? Man, I just don't have time. And I get that. Some, day, some days, you know, things are crazy. You know, you get up and you're like, man, this is supposed to even be my time with Jesus. And it's like, hey, kid, you're already up. What are you doing here? I don't know if you remember, but you stay in your bed until that little, little timer goes off. Oh, no. And then you're like, well, you know, that's just out the door. You know, you're getting the kids ready for whatever, and, and, and you know, you, you go to work, and, and you come home, and you're exhausted, and you're just like, hey, let's cook dinner, let's throw some laundry in there, and then, hey, spouse, or, or anything, and, and, and you're, just, you're just exhausted. I get it that there are days like that. But, I, but I'd say, like, you know, are there other things that you make time for on a regular basis that really aren't the Word of God? It's okay if you miss Netflix. It's not the Word of God. Right? I like it too. Right? It, it, it's okay if you miss Frontier Lady show, whatever, cooking lady thing. It's, it's okay. It's not the Word of God. She's nice. Right? And, and I, I would say this. If you're, if you're consistently, like if your life is just marked by, and you're like, you know what? I've been following Jesus a while a long time, and, and really like, man, I rarely actually get into God's Word. I'd say it's probably really not a time issue. It's a worship problem. Right? You devote time to things that are important to you. And, and again, you know, are, are we, we make time for all those things. We play video games, we watch Netflix, we, we watch, you know, we, we tweet all of these things. We Facebook post, you know, we post pics of our kids doing something. We have time. Are we distracted by many things rather than being devoted to the right things? You know, are you distracted by many things rather than devoted to the most important, beautiful things, the Word of God pointing us to Jesus? I mean, think about this. Who are, who are we reading about? Most of these people had just trusted in Christ. Most of these people, I mean, they had heard about God most of their lives. You know, about the, about the Old Testament. 
And, and, they, and they thought, hey, you know, I mean, they've been, they've been kind of like growing up in church their whole life hearing about God. But they actually never knew God. They never knew Him. And may, maybe that's you. Maybe you've been growing up in church your whole life. Maybe you've kind of like been, you know, you're in the Midwest and you kind of like, hey, I grew up this, I grew up that, I was baptized, whatever, prayed a prayer, but you're like, you're just hearing about stuff and you know about stuff, but here's the question is like, I'm not asking you, did you grow up in church or do you know about some stuff? I'm asking, do you really know God? Have you actually trusted in Jesus as your Savior? Because these people just a little bit ago, they had heard about the Bible, but God was never alive to them. They never knew God because they didn't trust in Jesus. Have you trusted in Christ that He came, He died, He paid the price for your sin? And there's nothing that you can do to, to make yourself know God. There's nothing that you can do to make yourself right with God. Or to have this relationship with God, it's, or to be saved from your sin, forgiven, it is only because of what Christ has done for you. Because He saved you. He paid the price. You know, turn, I just, and if you don't know Him, Turn to Christ today. Start that relationship with Him. And you, and you see these people, they had just done that. They had just turned to Jesus. They had just trusted Him, and they are devoting themselves to the teaching. Now, doesn't that actually make sense? Like, think about it again for a moment. These people just trusted in Jesus. Now they know God. They want to spend more time with God. They want to know more about Jesus. That, that's just like this, yeah, that makes total sense. Man, for the first time, I know God, I have this relationship with God, I've been forgiven of my sins. I've just heard about these, these Old Testament scriptures and how they point to Christ. I had no idea. And now there's this hunger, this, yeah, I want to know more. I want to know more of Jesus. I want to hear more of the gospel. And how I'm made right with God and the beauty that is, is just there. I want to know him and to follow him. I have this new life with Jesus. You know, he said, how can I get this truth into my life? What does this truth mean for me? And, and the more that we dig into God's word, the more that we know Jesus. The more that the promises of God are real in our life. The more that God's love is made alive in us. Because God is just speaking over me. Man, this is the love that I have for you. And the more and more real that that becomes in my life, the more that I'm not like hanging my head down low because somebody else doesn't accept me. Or somebody disagrees with me. Or something doesn't, you know, want to continue to date me. Any of those things. It's like, no, that's okay. Because why? Because I'm loved by God. I know that things are crazy right now in the world. And I'm not saying that they don't, like, we don't, like, have concerns or anything like that, but hey, do we need to walk in fear? No, more and more that we read God's word, the more that I'm like, God is in control. He will make good on his promises because he is God. And we can just rely on him. You experience the presence of God when he becomes real to you through the word of God. And so they devoted themselves to the teaching. Then, then they devote themselves, second thing that they devote themselves, it says, and the fellowship. So they're devoting themselves to community. 
And, and then, you know, later on it says, um, all who believed were together. You know, it says that a couple of times in this passage, together. So they're doing all these things together. They had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as all had need. And day by day, you know, so it's like every day they're attending the temple. So they're in these, this kind of like large group gathering at the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So then they're like, hey, in these smaller groups in their homes. And they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. And so you, you just see, man, that, that there's this committed, they're committed to each other. We're going to get together. We're going to meet. We're going to meet at the temple, you know, where there's more of us. We're going to meet in, our, in homes where there's, you know, in these smaller groups. And again, this doesn't say, hey, in church, every time you need to meet day by day, every day. That sounded like that uh, meets with parents. Correct. Sorry. Um, but, uh, which, which is okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but there is this encouragement towards community. Hey, we, are we devoting ourselves to this? This is what Hebrews 10, 24 says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I mean, to just kind of put this in like, like simply, this means that you need to show up. Hey, if you're in a city group, show up. If you're involved in a church, show up. Now, now I get it. You know, somebody you know is thinking or online thinking like, hey, what about COVID? Right? Like, I get that. I'm saying like, e- e- even during this time is like this. I would say, I'd still encourage you during this time is like, well, think how can I be present with people. In relationships still. But I'd say the norm, the, the norm is like, hey, how can we be investing in each other's lives? And hey, yes, you, you might have some concerns right now with health and everything like that. I totally get it. But I'd say like the norm is that you show up. You're with people. You know, I did, Jesus didn't come die, pay the price for sin, and raise again so that he could make an audience. He did that to make a family, to make a new people, a new community. And so they devoted themselves. They were steadfast in meeting together. They shared everything in common and gave to those who need. Now, now again, look, th- this is voluntary, what they're doing. Nobody's mandating it to them. Hey, you have to do this. You have to give to everybody who has need. That's not what's going on. They just did it voluntarily because Jesus had given to them freely. And so there's just this idea of generosity. Hey, I don't need my stuff so much, but if for me to love my brothers, to love my sisters, I can share my possessions. I can sell these things to give to those in need. I'm happy to do it. It was motivated by the gospel, by the Spirit living in people, dwelling in people. I mean, can you, can you imagine if the government did something like this? You know, if they just said, hey, everyone, we're not going to mandate taxes. You don't have to pay your taxes. You know what? Just give to whatever you think you should give. And then at the end, of, you know, and then hopefully we'll have our needs met. Now about you, I'd be like, that's awesome. Because you know what you're getting? Goose egg. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, you ain't giving you anything. And, and, and here's why. Like, you know, it's, it's just like, I don't, I don't feel like necessarily like, oh man, I, I exactly want to sacrifice that. Nobody would pay. But, but the church, 
But these new people of God, hey, you don't need to mandate me anything. I'm going to give to the community. I'm going to give to my brothers and to my sisters voluntarily, sacrificially, because why? I love them and I want to see God's kingdom advance. You know, something that we always say is like, hey, we want to be, you know, we want to live sufficiently and give extravagantly because Christ has given extravagantly to us. And so the generosity that they have is totally gospel-motivated. The Spirit of God is living in them, and so they just are actually different. I, I think, you know, when we read about this community, it, th- this is both attractive, we kind of want it, but let's be honest, we kind of resist it. Because we tend to think of ourselves very, very individualistically. I mean, here would be a thing. Let's say that you're experiencing financial troubles. Whose business is that? Some of you are like, well, it ain't your business. It's nobody else's business. That's for me to handle. Hey, what about a sin or a struggle? You think that that is anybody else's business? Nope. Probably not, right? Like, hey, that's me. That's between me and God. Sharing your faith also means sharing your failures. Right? It, it, sharing your faith also means sharing your failures. The Bible actually models that to us quite well. That's why I love Peter. That's why I love these guys where they mess up. Right? And, and, and we, we, we tend to think of things as like very us. This is my time, my family. I need to, I need to be like, you know, not, I don't know if I have time for you because this is like my time, my family. But here's the thing. There's this, you know, when Jesus is doing his public ministry, they're like, hey, Jesus, your mom, your brothers, they're out there. You, you better stop what you're doing and better go talk to them because that's what you need to do. And then Jesus, he, he turns to his disciples and says, this is my brother and this is my mother. To those who are following him, he says, hey, the spiritual family that, that God has made us is just as important, if not more important, than your biological one. And I know that that's really hard in, in Midwest. Like, right, biological family is everything, blood, bam. And, 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 and I think that that's a good thing, but also it's like, but your main unity with anyone is because of Jesus, not because of blood. And so God says, hey, this is your family, we, your spiritual family. is what 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says. It says, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Scripture commands us to, you know, it shows us what this family of God uh, looks like. It is to look like. And it it uses a lot of times this one another, you know, of what it looks like to be devoted in community. And and I think think that we do an okay job at this, but, but let's just again continue to think like, hey, how can we devote ourselves more? How can we grow in this? But this is just what Scripture says. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Encourage one another. Don't give up meeting together. A family that loves one another. We who are many uh, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Let's be a family that, that outdoes one another in showing honor. That we instruct one another. That we have the same concern for each other, that we, that we consider not only the interests of ourselves, but also the interests of others. Let's be a family that carries one another's burdens. 
Let's be a family that serves one another. Bear with one, that bears one another, with one another in love. Let's be a family that is kind and compassionate to one another. Uh, in humility, consider others more important than yourselves. Where we do not lie to, to one another. A family that always pursues what is good for one another. Let us watch out for one another. Don't complain about one another. Let's be a family that confesses our sins to one another. Be hospitable to one another. A family that prays for each other. That is all in Scripture. That it commands us to do this family that is devoted to each other. And I, let's just kind of admit sometimes that's hard. Maybe you don't click with everybody. That's okay. And also, let's just admit, this takes time. It takes time to, to grow in relationship with people. It takes time to grow in trust of, with one another. Hey, if you're like, hey, this is really hard because you're thinking, man, I'm an introvert. One, typically, introverts, you have a better capacity to go deep with a few people. So I'd say, hey, be okay that maybe you, you don't know absolutely everybody. You don't have to, like, you know, be awesome at playing the crowd. But, hey, lean into, hey, let's be intentional with a few people. Hey, extrovert, great job at, like, you know, talking to a lot of people, being open and honest. That's great. Hey, but maybe you struggle with, like, actually digging deeper than just a surface-level relationship, like, conversation. You know, be willing to say, like, hey, this is the real me. This is something that I'm really struggling with. You know, I, I want us to be, I mean, like, we, we so want us to be this new family. And again, like, I've, I've seen it, and it's growing, and I'm, I, I just want to see more. You know, again, not because we stink, but I just want us to be like, man, we're known. We're, where we know what's going on in each other's lives, because guess what? Like, if, if we know the gospel, we should know that we have things that are going wrong. But that we just say, like, hey, I get it. I can be devoted to all these things, but I'm not going to be distracted by the many things. I'm going to be devoted to the right things. So let's be a devoted family to, in, in, in community. The third thing that they devoted themselves to is worship. Look at verse um, you know, 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Verse 40. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and verse 43, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done to them through, or being done by the apostles. And then verse um, 47, praising God, or when they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. You know, so, so they, they broke bread. They're reminding themselves of the gospel, of, of that Jesus died and rose again. They're, they're, they were praising God and had glad and sincere hearts. They had this sense of awe amongst them. And yes, some of that's because there are miracles being done. I mean, hey, there's, there's all these signs and wonders, and that brings a sense of awe. But it's also because, look, I mean, in verse 47, they're, they're praising God. They're, they're praising God constantly of just what he's doing. There's this celebratory worship. The Spirit of God is, is changing them. He's moving in power. He's saving people. And because of what God is doing, what God has done, there's this vibrant worship. They're being reminded of God's presence, God's power with them. They have this sense of awe in this. And so, do you expect to meet with God? I mean, do you ever just expect to meet with God? Do you ever expect the presence of God in your life? I mean, what is your mentality when you come to church on a Sunday or maybe your city group? 
I think most of us, we, have, we, we tend to have this idea of like, hey, what, what am I going to get out of it today? Will I like the sermon this morning? Will city groups seem like it's worth my time tonight? And I think for many of us, we don't have this sense of awe in us because we're so concerned about what we're going to get out of it rather than just expecting the presence of God. Just expecting Him to, to move. We come in with kind of actually really low expectations. I mean, you go to a Husker game, and, and you might not know it, but you have kind of like these, these expectations in the back of your head of what's going to happen and of what you're going to do in response. You, you have this kind of like underlying expectation. It's totally fine for me to go crazy and high-five and get excited. Right? You know that's going to probably happen. Do you have any kind of like underlying expectation like, hey, man, when we come and we worship God and we declare these truths about who Jesus is, about how he saved us, I'm going to be excited because God beat the Husker game any day of the week. I can actually like show some emotion within my posture of my body is going to reflect the posture of my heart and this sense of worship. Because, man, I have this expectation that I'm going to in it, like, be in the presence of God with my brothers and sisters, my family. You have this kind of expectation, you, you, just even when you go to work, that, man, God's going to do something. God's going to show up. Do you, when you go to city groups, you have this expectation of, man, hey, I'm actually going to contribute something tonight because I've read and studied ahead of time as a way to love those around me so that I actually have something to give from the Word of God or even just a question. They were praising God and they had this sense of wonder amongst them because God was doing things and they expected to be a part of it. And, and if you've trusted in Christ, that same spirit the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that just brought you know, all of these thousands of people to God, the same spirit that is wor working in the book of Acts, that is doing these amazing things, that same spirit lives in you. The presence and power of God living in you. And so we should expect God to move. They're praying. I mean, you see this all throughout the book of Acts. They're praying in expectation. Do you, do you expect, you know, this upcoming week to pray and for God to move. You know, there were some of us in my city group that were, we were hanging out like a week and a half ago, and uh, we kind of wrestled with this question a little bit and just asked it. You know, there's like five of us. And we just said, hey, if, if God answered all your prayers this past week, so every single prayer that you prayed this past week, if God answered every single one of them, how would it change the world? You expect when you know that God moves. Not, not, maybe not every time, but that, yes, man, there's power in prayer. There's power in, in God's presence and in God's people. Because why? Because God is there. God is moving and he's filled us with his spirit. So they devoted themselves you know, to, to worship. And then the last thing that they devoted themselves was to outreach, showing and sharing the gospel. So showing the gospel through their actions, but also sharing it verbally, proclaiming it. Verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And it, just, just one thing to, 
to, to notice there in the circle, underline, highlight, like in you know, verse 47, it says, and the Lord added. Right? God is the one that is doing this. God is the one that is saving. God is the one that is working. So God's the one that is doing it, but he's doing it through his people that are filled by the Holy Spirit. Hey, this is happening. This is what's going on. And then God is, is the one doing it. They showed the gospel. Right? They're, they're, they're loving each other. They're, they're giving to one another uh, out of the needs that they have. Jesus said in John 13, 35, that people will know that you're my disciples for your love for one another. You know, that kind of community that is just like, hey, we're, gonna, we're committed to each other and we're going to help one another. We're going to serve one another. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to pray for one another. That kind of community is attractive. <clears throat> you know, we should look different in the way that we, we interact with one another. But then they also, so they showed the gospel, but they also shared it. Peter had just preached. He had just shared the gospel. Even when it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, what is that? That is, again, looking in the word of God. They're, they're focusing on the gospel. It's not just being a nice person that, this, that God is adding to their number daily. You know, I think there's that quote from Frank, uh, St. Francis of Assisi. He says, hey, uh, share the gospel and if necessary, use words. It sounds cool, but that's, that's ridiculous. Because it is necessary. No, no, but nobody's just going to you know, kind of magically come to Christ just because you don't watch rated R movies. And probably most of you are like, yeah, I do. Right? Or, or just, you know, like, it's because it's, it's a message that is seen and heard. It is necessary. And, we, and, and that's what they do. They have... You know, this devotion to sharing this gospel. Now here in, in chapter 2, it says they had favor with all people. And in chapter 3, that goes away. So it doesn't really last very long. There, there, still, there are some people that really love that and they're attracted to that and, and they have favor with them. But then there are some people that are like, no, we don't like this. We don't like you speaking the name of Jesus. We don't like you, you know, pointing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so following Jesus, sharing the message of God has its cost. And I, I just want to, like, today in the world, you probably won't get really persecuted or looked at funny for being a nice person. But if you mention Jesus, maybe. And that should not shock us. We can't, we can't expect the world that doesn't know Jesus to act like they do. Jesus is sometimes just offensive. And, and hey, if you're wondering, like, oh, man, and you feel, like, kind of weird maybe sharing the gospel with your coworker or your neighbor or, you know, relative, whatever it is, it's, it's not your responsibility to whether they accept or reject Jesus. Again, who's adding to their number? God. And we many times think, well, they're accepting or rejecting me. That's not true. They're re rejecting or accepting Christ. Your job is just to present. Hey, I just want to point you to Jesus because I love you. I actually want you to know you. And again, be reminded, who are these people? They're people that had just trusted in Christ. They're people that had just come to know Jesus through the gospel. And so this just makes complete sense. Man, I have this new life in Christ. I know God now. I've been forgiven of my sins. I have this incredible freedom because of what God has done for me. Yeah, of course I want everybody else to know that. 
The Spirit of God is living in them. And so they, they devoted themselves to, to the teaching of the gospel, to the word, to community, to worship, to outreach. You know, they believed, and here's just kind of some questions. They believed God came from heaven to save them, so they sought his word like their lives depended on it. Do you? They believed Christ had given himself to them, so they gave themselves to each other. Do you? They had such joy in the Holy Spirit that enabled them to give their stuff away. Do you? They believed in the Holy Spirit and expected to meet with him. Do you? Right? They knew that Jesus had saved them through the power of the Spirit and they showed and shared the gospel to people around them. Do you? Let us be devoted to one another, to each other. I love what this past, uh, pastor J.D. Greer, he's a pastor back, uh, back east. This is what he pointed out. He said, sociologists say that we have a, a non-devoted age, that we really lack commitment. And that's just kind of like the age that we're in, is that we're not committal. But is that true? He just says, a guy can't hold down a job, shows up late, leaves early. His heart is not into it, takes random days off. You look at this guy and say, he's got a commitment problem. He's not devoted. Not true. He's just not devoted to the job. He's devoted to his personal comforts, playing Madden until 3 a.m. Ladies, if you want a guy who won't commit, problem is not that he has trouble with commitment. It's just that he has trouble with committing to you. He's very committed to his own agenda and freedom. And as much as he likes you, he won't let that become, he won't let that come between that and his commitment to himself. Let's not be distracted by many things and be devoted to the most important, most beautiful, wonderful things because Christ has saved us. Christ has given us the spirit of the living God in us and, we, and we're this new people. Let us be, be devoted because we're people that are filled with the spirit.